You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Thanks for those of you who make Locked on Packers, your first listen of the day. Start your day with the Packers, a cup of coffee, maybe some tea, if that's what you're into. And let's get into it. Bailey Burmaster on the show today, Expert Tuesday. Before we get to that, the Green Bay Packers cannot repeat their defensive approach to the Cleveland Browns from the one that they took against the Baltimore Ravens. I say that with the caveat, I think Green Bay, when Tyler Huntley, it seemed clear he was going to be the guy probably midweek that Lamar Jackson was just not going to be ready. I think there was a, let's just roll the ball out there and beat this team and get on with it. They did not really do a lot to change their approach. That's its own issue. And... From a week-to-week standpoint, you better hope someone like Matt LaFleur gets his hand on the wheel to say, hey, Joe, some things need to change in terms of approach. The Browns could be playing a backup quarterback, or they could be playing Baker Mayfield. Honestly, it doesn't matter. Is Tyler Huntley materially worse, or not even materially, any worse than Baker Mayfield, Case Keenum, Nick Mullins? Probably not. Probably not, honestly. He might be better than all of those guys. The Browns, they want to run the ball. They want to play action into some shot plays. They do not have receivers that scare you at all. Even if Jarvis Landry comes back from COVID. So are are the Packers going to handle this team the same way they handled Baltimore, which was... Be afraid of the big play. And I said, the only way the Ravens are going to beat the Packers is if they give up big plays. And Green Bay did give up some big plays, but they also, the Ravens nickel and dime them down the field. I didn't think Tyler Huntley, and and frankly, most quarterbacks are not going to be able to do that. Um, and, And they were. I think from that standpoint, Green Bay's plan to just say no big plays was great. They didn't execute it. They played way too soft, way too soft, way too far off, eight yards off and bailing on third and six, on third and four. You just can't play that way. They were so afraid to get beat over the top that they were giving free releases to Mark Andrews every play. They were letting guys get into whatever spot they wanted. And the only guy who didn't do that was Eric Stokes. And the only guy who can do that and still currently on this roster is Eric Stokes. His speed allows him to be that kind of player. He can play off and still get to the ball carrier. Jair Alexander, same deal. He can play that far off. Kevin King can't do that. 
Kevin King can't play at eight and bail and have any chance to make a play on any pass anywhere. Just can't do it. Shannon Sullivan, Russell Douglas, linebacker, safeties. They can't do it. Now, some of the plays that the Ravens made, the Browns can't because they don't have a Mark Andrews. Even healthy, they don't have a guy like that who's just a matchup nightmare. They don't have a receiver like that that they can throw the ball to with any kind of consistency. But big plays are going to be what they want to give. That's what that's how they want to move the ball in offense. They want to run it and create shot plays. And so if you're Green Bay, you have to decide what you want to take away. And if it were me, I would be saying, I'm playing single high. I'm putting Adrian Amos in the box. Or I'm robbing the middle of the field with Darnell Savage. And I am saying, you are not going to run on us. I, we dare you. We dare you to beat us over the top. And we don't think your offensive line can hold up against a pass rush that should be getting Kenny Clark back this week. We'll see if he can get out of health and safety protocols by then. I'm just, I'm not afraid of the offense. Not afraid of their ability to push the ball down the field. They just don't have the guys. There is no Hollywood Brown who theoretically is a field tilter. There is no Devin DuVernay who is theoretically a field tilter. There is no Mark Andrews. David Njoku is not that guy. There's no one you should be afraid of. Donovan Peoples-Jones is a nice athletic player. He would be a really, really good wide receiver three and a fine wide receiver two. He's not an alpha one. He's not even a like a 1B kind of guy. Not Certainly not yet. And we haven't seen any reason to expect that he could be that. More to the point. You can't play scared with these guys because they're all possession receivers. So if you give them free releases and six, eight yards of cushion and you bail, they're going to eat up that space. They're going to pick up six yards on third and four, and they're going to move the sticks. And if you keep doing it, they're going to keep doing it. Baker Mayfield's not a great quarterback. He can make those throws. Case Keenum's not a great quarterback. He can make those throws. Nick Mullins, not a great quarterback. He can make those throws. So you have to change the approach here. I, I can't explain why Green Bay was so afraid of Baltimore. Why they were so afraid of that passing attack. They were so afraid of that passing attack that they got torched by it. That's the irony. And, and the Mark Andrews stuff, you're just going to get beat. They had some, some decent looks on him. You, you have Darnell Savage. He's your most athletic safety. He's theoretically your best cover safety. You don't expect him to get worked the way that he did by Mark Andrews. Darnell Savage was, was mostly bad on the day. Makes the hero play late. You want to get a better performance from him as well. He has quietly underperformed relative to expectation so far this season, especially after finishing the year last year as a playmaker, as a, a playing at a Pro Bowl caliber level. He has not carried that over into this season. The Packers have the bodies to stop this offense. It's not that hard an offense to stop right now. A lot of the concepts are 
things that the Packers are already running, things that they see in practice every day. Kevin Stefanski comes from that Shanahan outside zone tree. Now, they do some different interesting things with the run game. They love to play in in 13 personnel with three tight ends on the field, 12 personnel, two tight ends. And then all those guys got COVID or got hurt, and it made it more difficult. But they still don't have the bodies. They don't have the dudes. This offense doesn't have the dudes. They don't even have the Mark Andrews. Now, you could say he's in the backfield. It's Nick Chubb. And if you're the Browns, you want to pound the rock. But the Ravens didn't put a scare in the Packers because they could run the ball, a team that all they want to do theoretically is run the ball. They couldn't, not effectively anyway. Tyler Huntley scrambling was their best run game. The Browns don't have anyone that can do that. Green Bay can't be afraid to be aggressive. They can't be so afraid to give up big plays that they give up all the underneath plays, that they give up all the little plays. That's how they played against Baltimore. Was that a, a an overreaction to the idea that they were just, the offense was going to do whatever it wanted, which by the way, the offense did mostly whatever it wanted. And it was just a, let's just not get beat by this team. But that's not, that's not how championship level teams think. It is, let's go in and beat the stuffing out of this team and get out of here. That was not the mindset. That was not the perspective that they had. Now, getting Jair Alexander back, if they can get him back, automatically changes that calculation because if you have Jair on the outside and Eric Stokes on the outside, now you have two guys who can play off. It doesn't matter. It's almost scheme proof. Even calls that you might otherwise have a problem with because of their athletic ability, because of their instincts, because of their discipline, because of their technique, they can make it work. And maybe in nickel situations, you slide Jair Alexander inside. And you have Russell Douglas on the outside. We know he can play off rather than Shannon Sullivan. Now, the, the Browns, they don't really want to do that. They don't, they don't really want to play in 11 personnel. So you're probably fine this week. Gets a little bit different against Minnesota. Could get a little bit different in the playoffs. It was as passive as this team had played really all season. Probably going back to week one. Getting Jair back fundamentally alters what you can do. Because you can lock him on the backside of three-by-ones and let him play man coverage. You can put him in the slot. You can let him play man. Everyone else is playing zone. Like There's just so many different things that you can do with Jair Alexander from, from an attitude standpoint, from an approach standpoint, from a game plan standpoint. That would change these calculations. And I think those things... In addition to the the quality of play, but you know they've gotten good play from Eric Stokes, his highest graded pro football focus number of the season last week. Russell Douglas, um, I believe over the last month, is, is one of, if not the highest graded corner in the league. They've gotten good play from their corners in the absence of Jair Alexander. It's more about flexibility. It's more about peak upside, what this defense can be with Jair. And it's about, you know, your, your ability to mitigate some of the weaknesses. You become a more complete defense just because of the guy you get to take off the field in favor of Jair Alexander. And so for the Packers, getting him back probably, probably solves this problem. 
Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Boost Mobile. You listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone so you can listen to all the latest episodes of Locked on Packers. The power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can harness all that brain power too. All the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so you can do it all with the speed of 5G. With the money you'll save and all the knowledge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost and find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save Boost Mobile. Today's episode is also brought to you by On Location. Green Bay has a chance to be the number one seed, a good chance at that, which gives them an even better chance to go to the Super Bowl. Don't you want to go to the Super Bowl with them? Super Bowl 56, less than 100 days away now. And On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL, is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star LA hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl On Location. That's onlocationexp.com SB56 or search Super Bowl On Location. Joining me now, the only person we could have had on in this spot for Packers Browns, formerly of Green Bay fame at WBAY, covering the Packers beat now at 19 News in Cleveland, our pal Bailey Burmaster. Bailey, how are you? Peter, I am great. Yeah, a Green Bay fame, that might be very, very generous, uh, but I appreciate it. You know, I was I was wondering, I was getting really excited for the Christmas Day game at Lambeau, Browns-Packers, because I just felt like my worlds were colliding. <laughs> um, a little tragic, given the two ways these teams have trended. Right. Um, nonetheless, I will be at the game, and I'm super excited. And you're, you're in the Christmas spirit. For those of you not watching on YouTube, Bailey has the, the Christmas tree in the background. Maybe not a future as a weather girl, but that's okay. Uh, so let's start with what we watched on Monday night, which was supposed to be Saturday night. The Browns were supposed to get a full week to come to Green Bay and play the Packers. Instead, they will get uh, far less because of everything that's going on with this COVID situation. You have been on the ground covering it. How did we get to the point for those people that were not following exactly what was going on with the Browns, how did we get to the point where this game had to be pushed back? This oh, was just a mess all week. And I can tell you as a like TV person, the buildup, you just knew it was coming. <laughs> because Monday, you have three people test positive. And you or the week before, excuse me, pe three people test positive. You're going, oh, gosh, what is the case? Like, you know, it's just the three. It's isolated, whatever. Come Monday, COVID testing, one at a time. You're going, okay, then a couple. All of a sudden, it's eight. And you're going, if eight players have tested positive, this is only going to get worse. Right. Sure enough, the next day, Kevin Stefanski, Baker Mayfield, John Johnson, a, a bunch of starters. I have a notebook and I had to keep like scribbling out the numbers because it was another positive, another positive. And it, it, in, listen, I think anyone that's watched the NFL since COVID 
that's kind of taken place and all the protocols. They don't want to postpone games. They don't want to no. move anything. They don't want to, it, there's a lot of money in these games. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to do it. And it was always, we kept checking with NFL officials. No, no, no. Well, I remember looking at my coworker by Wednesday night, if this keeps trending, how it's going to trend, they're going to have to move this game. Um, then of course, Baker Mayfield gets involved. I believe it was Thursday, Friday night tweeting out, you know, there was inconsistency with the testing, which there was, and it was really sketchy. It was like, no, you know, if if you're, if you tested negative, you're good to go to practice. You guys don't have to test that morning. So they go to practice and then they get done with practice. And all of a sudden it's like, Hey, you're getting tested again. And everyone's going, well, what the heck we've all been exposed. Like we, you told us to go practice. So we did cause we needed to, <laughs> and now we've all been around each other. And then there's more positives. It has been grueling. And it, you know, people who haven't been paying attention to the Browns, I think you could look back at every week and say, okay, well, this week, you know, week one, it was, are they going to have OBJ? You know, there was a whole saga. Is he going to return? And then all of a sudden, like week four, week five, it's OBJ's unhappy and he's leaving. And is he going to stay? It's a problem. His dad's calling out Baker Mayfield. And then the following week, Kareem Hunt's dad's getting involved on the offense. Literally, there's a storyline every single week. You can't even really focus on the matchups. It was a Bravo show. Dads of <laughs> Cleveland football players. Everyone just needed to be quiet. Everyone was commenting and it was like, how do you not know better at this point? And then you get to, it, it was so funny. Literally everyone was looking at this game like, hey, we might be able to focus on some real storylines this time. Nope. COVID did its damage. And not only to the Browns, but the entire NFL at this point. Um, they came in today with 22 players on the COVID list, 10 of them starters, obviously fall to the Raiders and it's just, it was a heartbreaking one for them given the fact, you know, late last second field goal. And they really put up a valiant effort, especially with Nick Mullins, who the kid had one day to prepare. Yeah. He was told on, I believe he said Sunday that no Sunday he was starting. And so they didn't have a, like a full practice where he thought he was going to be a starter. It has been a hot mess and it's going to be interesting to see how it progresses because they still have 22 players on the list and a shorter week now dealing with the Packers. Uh, we don't need to go into player by player who's going to be available because right now there are, there are two separate sets of protocols, right? For vaccinated, unvaccinated players. Mm -hmm. And they've changed those for vaccinated players, the, the timeline where you can do, you know, test and, and be back and all that stuff. Are there players who we know, for whatever reason, are just not going to be in in this game on Saturday? Is there anyone who cannot be that we know about? We do not know as far as those that are dealing with COVID. There is one unvaccinated player on the Browns team. That's all we know. I don't believe that person has tested positive. Um, so that would be a non-factor. And most of the people who have tested positive with the Browns for COVID are asymptomatic. Um, some, I believe the only person to return who was asymptomatic, who tested positive earlier th during last week was John Johnson. So he, right. returned. um, I can tell you probably someone who will not be in the game is defensive end Tack McKinley, who went down against the Raiders with what looked like a left ankle, uh, Ian Rappaport, I believe tweeted out that, um, the Browns fear it's a torn Achilles. So he could be done for the season, which is a pretty big loss defensively. Uh, other than that. It's a total toss up. 
Other than that, the season has been totally uneventful in Cleveland <laughs> and they haven't had any issues whatsoever. Um, th this question about the quarterback, you mentioned Nick Mullins, who was QB three on this roster. I ha half joked on Twitter that I didn't think there was that big a difference between Nick Mullins and Baker Mayfield, at least the injured version of Baker Mayfield, right? We know what Baker at his best can be when he's got his weapons, when he's got a healthy group in front of him, but he doesn't have that. We don't know what, what Baker's health would be, even if he were able to come out of these health and safety protocols. So as you look at that position right now, coming into a game where they have to play Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I, we don't even know who's going to be on the field. Like what, what is going on with the quarterbacks here? How, what are we, what are we supposed to expect? It's going to be so hard for me to answer this without going down a like tunnel of just straight. Let's talk about the offense as a whole. Right. Because I feel like that eventually is where it leads. Obviously quarterback Baker Mayfield is not playing at the level that the Browns are used to. He's also had 50 bajillion injuries. He's been trying to play mm -hmm. through, whether it's the uh, torn labrum or a knee injury or a foot injury. It's been dealing with something since week two. Um, and it showed, you know, it's, there's some inconsistencies, some turnovers, but Oh, what, people fail to see is I think it's the perfect storm offensively. I think Baker isn't playing to the level he needs to. And I think he would say that um, the run game has been spotty when it gets going hunt and Chubb are unstoppable, but they've really struggled to get this thing going since I think it was week 12 against the Ravens before the bye week. And, you know, even today with Mullins in there, they've or, sorry, not today, but on Monday, um, to get it going late. They finally were able to get Chubb going and whatnot, and it worked out. Um, but it's the off the, the run game has just been spotty. Then you look at the receivers and that's a whole debate. You know, people will say that the receivers aren't getting open or they don't have the speed to get open. Um, you know, when OBJ was here, it was, he's freelancing his routes and that's not how this offense operates. It's a, it's a timing, a timing and rhythm, and you have to run certain routes at certain times. Well, if that's the case, sometimes they aren't doing that correctly and Baker's not hitting the open receiver at the right time. Uh, then you have tight ends, you know, uh, they run 13 personnel more than any other team in the league. And then all of a sudden they all get COVID and you're down your three top starters. It's, right. it's a mess. And, you know, I, I don't like talking about play calling a whole lot because sometimes it's the low hanging fruit, so to speak. Um, but it's funny because going from watching, and I even tweeted about this, going from watching a Packers Matt LaFleur offense to a um, Browns Kevin Stefanski offense, it just leaves something so uninspiring. And everyone thought the bye week was going to be the turning point. They were going to get the offense going. They were going to go back to what this offense is you know, built around, which is the run. It's hard for me to sit here and even look at the quarterback play or the offense alone and say, you know what? They can really make a run these last couple games. And with how the AFC shaping up, it's anyone's game. But I'm just, I don't trust the offense to find any consistency. So let's say they get all these COVID guys back. Come and and by the way, we have no idea about this. This is, we are in uncharted territory with all of this. They're, they're going to have, in all likelihood, most of those guys would have a, a very shortened window to get ready here. But let's just say all those guys are going to be back. 
How do you see this Cleveland team matching up with a Green Bay team that is now by record the best team in the league and right now the favorites to be the number one seed in the NFC? They don't. It's this team has not played a complete football game in all phases of the of the game yet. And it's it's very evident, especially with an, this offense that's just struggling. Now, the defense has found consistency. And, you know, late in these games, whether it's the Raiders or the Ravens before that, the defense has showed up. Uh, unfortunately, you have to go against Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, uh, Josiah DeGuara, Mercedes Lewis. And it, like I, I'm even curious, like I, I'm – David Bakhtiari hasn't come back. I think he's due to come back, right? Could, yeah, could could come back this week. Had, was practicing last week, so we'll see what what the situation is this week. Are they really going to put like you know the first time back? You have uh, Miles Garrett and maybe Jadavian Clowney if he returns. The yeah, big I ask. don't know. I it's not a favorable matchup. I'm not a betting woman, um, but uh, with how the Packers are playing. And they're just playing so much better and more consistent than what the Browns have showed as of late. You are no longer in green Bay this season. So as someone who, who was, and who was a part of this Aaron Rodgers Matt LaFleur marriage, and now you're witnessing what's going on in Cleveland. What is your perception of green Bay? Has it changed at all since, since going to Cleveland, whether it's because you experienced this other thing or because just some distance gave you a different perspective on it. I'm just, I'm just curious to to know how, how maybe some distance has changed your perspective, if at all. Yes. And no. And in different ways, I was always a pretty like very pro Matt LaFleur. I thought him and Aaron Rodgers worked really well together, despite any off field things that might've happened, especially during the off season. Um, I think they're everyone in that locker, and, you know, I hate using the culture talk because I feel like the Browns, uh, obviously have been through some hard times. Right. Um, when you have a consistent winning culture, like the green Bay Packers, and you're consistently good and you consistently have these locker room guys that don't quite frankly, let the BS fly. You know, they, they deal with that real quick. Um, and seeing it's just seeing that and then coming into cover a Browns team where everyone was like, they're a Super Bowl contender. Like they have one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. I am sitting here and this is before season. And now I'm even like, I feel really smart that I was thinking this. In the past, <laughs> I'm going just because you make the playoffs once in 20 something years does not make you a Super Bowl caliber team. And you know why I know that is because I covered the Packers for two years, saw them go to the NFC championship back to back years, and they still couldn't get to a Super Bowl. And guess what? Yeah, the Browns have a super talented roster. But what does that mean when guys on the team don't know their role? They don't play their role. Communication isn't great. Because I think, you know, when I look at, and granted, I get the comparison between Aaron Rodgers and Baker Mayfield is a little extreme. Okay. Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. But quarterbacks. Isn't that what you would want to strive for? Right. Right. 
Okay, so when you look at Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, Kevin Stefanski, Baker, Mayfield, there's a disconnect with Stefanski and Mayfield to me. I don't know what it is. I'm not in those meetings. There's something there, though, that just there's not the connection that even LaFleur and Rodgers have. And think about it. LaFleur and Rodgers have probably been through a lot more BS off the field than those two right. have. Um, so I I don't know what that disconnect. It could be that maybe – you know, Stefanski's offense is very run heavy and that, you know, timing rhythm offense while Baker, you know, was a gunslinger in college and he wants to sling it and he wants a little bit of freedom. And um, maybe that's the disconnect, but it's crazy to just see the difference between the two and how much respect I have for what the Packers did back to back when I covered them. And I think maybe that's even something that might be lost on Packers fans. It's like how really special that is. I get you lost and we're like this close to a Super Bowl chance, which is like what they've just been dying for. But I look at that and I'm going, that's, that's, that's the creme de la creme. That's what you want. That's what you're striving for. And, and they have it. And I, you know, I look and I watch the Packers now and, especially given the offseason drama with Rodgers being unquote unhappy and not wanting to be there. I think this might be the year they do it. And I would just like to say what I miss the most about covering the Packers are a few things. One, Aaron Jones, still the nicest player I've ever interacted with. Yep. Two, Walter Payton, man of the year award nominee. <laughs> two is Devonte Adams. And I say this as someone who has like hyped up Devonte Adams since I've watched him in Green Bay. Somehow he's still underrated. Sometimes somehow I took him for granted when I covered him, and I still was like totally buying into everything. He is so special as a player, and it, I, it's something else I see when I think about the Browns' offense is I look at the the receivers, and I'm not saying any of them are bad, but they're just average. And they don't have the one that like you just your go-to guy who's going to be open no matter under under any circumstance. That person for the Browns right now might be David Njoku. Just yeah. think about that for a second. Um, so I, I sit there and I'm just like, gosh, I, you wonder what a Devonte Adams would do in Cleveland. That would never happen ever. But it's I I to get a guy like that. I mean, I miss covering Devonte. I mean, he's just he's sick. He's one of my favorite players in the NFL. Yeah, Packer fans don't wonder what that is like, Bailey. I tell you that right now. <laughs> be like, don't put that out there. <laughs> and in in the immortal words of Devonte Adams, we are all dealing with not just COVID, but it's flu season. It's the winter time. Wash your hands. Wash your butt. My Make favorite sure. Devonte quote. My favorite Devonte quote was, "Gosh, when was it? Was it going into the first COVID season?" And he was like, "Yeah, like we're not going to be hitting these clubs in Green Bay." And I was like, <laughs> "Clubs in Green Bay? What? I did not know this." Someone t- let me let me in the he, he meant he meant curling clubs and fishing clubs. That's what he meant. <laughs> And uh, he would probably be a really good curler just because it's it's all feel and hand-eye coordination. So, Uh, Bailey, this was so great. Thank you so much. Enjoy Lambeau Field on Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Merry Christmas and thank you. I'm hoping it's going to be a snow globe game. Would love that. Everyone wants a white Christmas. Come on. Give us one. Come on. All right. 
I want to thank Bailey for coming on the show. Great to talk to her. She is one of my absolute favorites. Great to see her thriving in Cleveland. I was going to say maybe we'll get a rematch in the Super Bowl, but that's not going to happen. We're not going to we're not going to do that. Bet Online has you covered all season with props, odds and lines. More than ever before, as football season continues the march to the playoffs, BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive that bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right down to your favorite Las Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline where the game starts. And thanks to everyone who makes Locked on Packers their first listen of the day. Bacon eggs, Locked on Packers. If you're vegetarian, just the eggs. If you're vegan, I don't know. What do vegans eat for breakfast? Oatmeal? I don't know. More power to you if that's what you want to do. Great. It's not me. It's not me. Uh, we're going to be back tomorrow. Lily Zhao, is how you doing? It's all. It's the whole like former, former Green Bay TV TV news person uh, week on Locked on Packers, I guess. Um, Lily will be with us to talk Packers Browns and and any lingering thoughts from Packers Ravens that we may have. Uh, We have our crossover Thursday show and then, of course, our happy hour live on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. So come join us, grab your, your cup of hot chocolate and let's have some fun. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.